Hey everyone, it's Jake and Jana. Welcome back to the Dance Parent Podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. And this week, we are talking all about solos and when they can be helpful for the dancer and how they can be most helpful for the dancer, and even in some cases where they can be not so helpful helpful for the dancer and their growth. Um, so first, I think it's very important that we look at solos and solo preparation in general as a part or a tool for the dancer's overall growth and not just something that's going to be presented on stage this one time. And so, especially for the dancer, whether they go on to do this for three years as a competition dancer, or if they go on to have a professional career long after their competition days, this whole solo process can really be something to push them and make them a better dancer. And so that's something that Jake and I are always thinking about is, okay, so five years from now, if this dancer really wants to go on and pursue dance, is this going to make them a better dancer? Right. Or, all, or even if they just really, really love this and want to continue with this in five years, are they going to be a better version of themselves? Are they leveling up each time they're doing a solo or are they going to be the same dancer in a few years? Mm-hmm. And so I really do think the solo process, um, and I don't know that I would have always said this, but at this point in our teaching journey, um, I would say the solo process and preparing a solo can be a very, very useful tool in growing the dancer. Um, Partly just because of that private lesson time where they're having to deliver and work on this one piece over and over and over and perfecting it and taking it to its next level and the better place and working on transitions and things that you don't get just, just through technique class alone. But having to really work on it with one piece I think can be vital to pushing the dancer to be a better dancer as long as the dancer is approaching it as that's what we're doing here, right? Is working on this piece to grow and get better. And as soon as it becomes just about getting a platinum, titanium, elite, blah, 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 then we've, we've lost the growth portion of it, right? So I've always said, especially with our students, they should know when they walk off stage, especially with a solo, right? Because there's no one else involved in the process here. Like you don't know what this other dancer over on the stage left corner was doing when you're in a group dance. But when it's just you on stage, you should know when you walk off, like that was my next level performance or that one wasn't. And here's what I could do differently next time. Um, And they don't necessarily get that opportunity in the same way with a group because there are so many factors going on. So it should definitely be more about their own leveling up each time and then going back into the studio and working on those things over and over and over can be so useful. Well, and because it's just them, like you said, them having to deliver, but really just working on a piece with another educator one-on-one is so helpful because you're going to catch all sorts of different things. You you don't always catch in a group piece of mm-hmm. 15, 20 dancers, but that can help them tremendously then translate that into other pieces like group pieces and whatnot if they're focusing on maximizing themselves to their fullest potential in their private lesson. For Absolutely. Their solo. And I think there's some dancers that maybe when they're first starting to work on a solo, it 
may not be ready to compete early on. And I think sometimes that becomes the focus too much, right? It's, I want to do my first solo and I want it to be ready for this event in October. Sometimes rushing that process is not actually anywhere close to the best thing for the dancer. But when there's a healthy perspective of like, I'm doing this to work on this piece and to become a better dancer. And when it's ready and I've gotten it to the place that it's ready to present. Right. I, I think that can be twofold because sometimes those benchmarks or deadlines can be a good push, right? They can be mm-hmm. a really great push for someone to work extra on it and get it ready. But at the other, <clears throat> on the other side of things, it can also be an opportunity for a dancer to, um, intentionally or unintentionally cut corners just to be able to get it on stage, which defeats the whole purpose mm-hmm. of a solo, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, in general, I would say that it's rare that I feel a dancer under the age of eight is ready for this process to be a very beneficial one. I will say there's absolutely exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. And we've had a handful of six and seven year olds that are definitely ready for it. Um, but I do in, feel like it's rare. Mm-hmm, in yeah. general, I feel like eight is around the mark where some dancers are ready. And I will say this. Um, especially if it's a financial strain for the family, we have had numerous very talented dancers not compete a solo until they are teens or seniors and go on to be very successful within all this. So is it necessary? No. I think if it started too early, in some cases it can do more harm than good. Well, and also we talked, I think sometimes it's way more beneficial for the young dancer to get at least a year of competition or more under their belt, if you will, and kind of figure out what the whole process is like before they venture into those solo waters, so to speak. I would say that not just for young dancers. I would say for all dancers. Yeah, actually, you're right. Having a year of group competition experience and just knowing what this whole thing is because no matter what, I think there is, for most dancers, there's a different level of pressure that they start to feel when they're the only one on this big competition stage. Naturally, right. Mm -hmm. So experiencing that with the group first, I think, is very important, Um, which I think leads to the next point, too, which we get this question some. Mm -hmm. Um, Can my dancer just do a solo and not groups? And we've said yes for so long as a studio, but I don't think it's good for the dancer. No, I don't at all. Um, Because, A, especially for the very serious dancer that wants to go on and do this, they are hardly ever, it's so rare that a dancer is going to be performing solo professionally. It is almost always with a group and with other dancers. And honestly, once they're advanced and pretty talented matching a group is way, way harder, harder. Yeah. right now when they're little this whole solo concept feels harder right but as they're getting older and their talent levels they're matching the group and the level of um, attention to detail that comes with matching mm-hmm. a group and preparing a group is so much harder so I think there's a false sense of confidence that can come when they're only doing solo work and then they go on to do this and they have to match groups and Either they don't keep a job because that's that's hard for them and they haven't mastered that skill, or they just don't enjoy it because it's not a skill that they continue to work on. Right, or they get disillusioned because why am I getting so many notes or, you know. Right. So I think that the whole solo and not working with groups thing can be 
just detrimental. And it's not just dance, really. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not just for the the students going to go on and do this professionally. I mean, if you think about it, how many tasks, jobs, whatever you want to say, as an adult, whether you're in this entertainment field or not, do you ever do really, truly, solely by yourself? Like, truly, 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 it's only you and nobody else has anything to do with it. Like, our job as humans as we're growing up is to try to learn how to work with other people. So I feel like that's, you know, kind of denying them that component, so to speak. Absolutely. And I think being able to do both is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Um, I think the opportunity that you get in a lot of solos to travel and use your space in a way that you're not able to with a ton of people mm-hmm. on stage, there's a lot of things there. Um, I just think that the two complement each other so well. And I think a dancer can do groups and not do a solo, but I think doing a solo and not doing groups is just an overall I don't think it's the choice. best thing for, for their progression, honestly. For sure. Um, Which then leads us to the next point, which, and you know, I don't know that we've always done a great job of this. No, we haven't. As a studio. Um, But the next point is trusting the teacher and director when it comes to style more than anything is the main one where I think sometimes we don't do the best job. Now, by all means, if your dancer, even at eight years old, is just living for tap dance or all they do is watch professional ballet dancers on YouTube all day long and they just want to do a ballet solo in the tutu. (laughs) I think that by all means you should mention that to the teacher or director, right? Like we want to know those things, um, especially for the young dancer, right? right? If they're highly motivated and they, let's say that they're just loving ballet, but by golly, like they are not stretching through their feet correctly and the leg lines aren't there yet. (laughs) Maybe that's a situation where if they really want to do a ballet solo, we do it and they do a ballet solo and until they're straightening their legs and pointing their feet, they don't get to compete. And <laughs> it's not ready. But, yeah. <laughs> but if we're looking at the overall like long-term growth, maybe even if they don't compete that dance until May or ever, <laughs> or maybe they do it at recital and compete it the next year, still, maybe because they love it so much, that makes them a much better dancer in five years to go through that process. Oh, absolutely. As as humans, but especially as kids, we're always going to put more energy into the things that we love doing, right? Like there are just things that none of us like doing a whole lot. And sometimes we're not going to be as vigorous doing them as we are, you know, something that we love. But I think you, you draw a good point that I think with the younger ones, especially we have to kind of weigh that a little Mm -hmm. bit more, but as they get older, I think it is important to start looking at what's going to help them the most in this process. Absolutely. And if there is a dancer that is just really afraid of coming out of their shell and they're more reserved, well, doing a big musical theater solo is probably not going to be the best choice for that dancer, even if if that's what they think they want to do. And so I think it's important to trust those teachers and choreographers for a couple different reasons. One, we're getting to see that dancer dance multiple times per week, right? But then on top of that, I think there is some serious knowledge that comes from listening to these competition critiques. When you do the math of, as teachers, we're listening to, let's say we bring 40 dances to each event, and then there's three judges. And then each dance is like two and a half minutes. That's a lot of listening to this feedback, right? And so it gets to a place where you can really predict this is what's going to happen if this kid does this solo. 
And I think that trusting those teachers and choreographers on how to best showcase the student, not just for winning and competition purposes, but also on what's going to make them grow and become the dancer they want to be. When you put all that together, um, I think it's very important that it's not just hey, we just really love this song that we heard at church and we think that Susie's going to do a great lyrical solo to it. We really love this choreographer and we'd really love to work with them, you know, when that might not be the best fit. Sure, absolutely. Um, Same goes with costuming. And I think that this is something that can get overlooked by dance parents a lot, understandably. I would even say as a early, like, younger teacher, I overlooked some of this too. But... Let's say that your dancer is still really working on getting their shoulders down and engaging their lap muscles and using their back. Well, putting some like poofy shoulder situation on the little mini jazz solo when they're having issues with getting their shoulders down, that is just going to draw more attention to it. And so things that, I mean, I don't know anything about the technique of soccer, not a thing, (laughs) but there would definitely be things if my kids play soccer that I would overlook because I don't know. So same thing here, right? Within dance technique, if they're having shoulder issues, we don't want to put them in a certain thing. On the flip side, if they're having trouble lengthening behind their knees, then sometimes I think a little bit of, now we're still going to work on it in the studio. You can't camouflage it all the time. You can't camouflage it in front of your (laughs) teachers. But I think that like you can dress them in a way that is going to only make them more successful within all of this. And it's not just Susie looks really good in green. Well, that's what I was just thinking. I think my kids look cute as a button and everything so like sure. you know as a parent i totally oh man the, i do too oh yeah. for sure like i would totally be that one like oh this is great but like that's not what you know he needs for his soccer uniform jake like you know right. so i think there's there's a level level of um like you said trusting that that educator that costumer in that moment to go mm, does it match the movement does it match right. the song does it match yeah. the purpose the feeling there's just so much that goes into it Um, I've even sometimes had parents want to go ahead and order, and I know this stuff has to be ordered so early, I get it, but want to order a costume before the choreographers come in. Or the song's picked out. And done the dance, so there hasn't been choreography yet, and it's just not a good choice. Like, that dancer would be better off wearing a leotard that could be ordered quickly than possibly spending a ton of money on a costume, a custom costume that doesn't make sense for that dance. Yeah, absolutely agree. So hopefully this is helpful. Um, I think there's just so much that can go into this solo process that's way beyond just the... uh, The optics of it. For sure, right? And the long-term growth of that dancer and timing it correctly and when that dancer's ready and not only when they're ready to begin the process of working on a solo but also when are they ready to then perform it and not rushing that process Um, but also not being afraid of it I think that just because a dancer isn't ready to go on stage and compete one in October doesn't mean that it couldn't be worthwhile for them to begin working on that solo process and the private lessons and the growth um, that will just make them a better dancer overall and a, and a more inspired dancer a lot of times too. For sure, because confidence comes from preparation. So when they know that they have prepared like they wanted to, like they needed to, they're going to get on stage and feel much better about what they're about to present and hopefully what they ultimately do present. But that confidence comes from the preparation that they're doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... 
thanks so much, parents. I hope that this is helpful for you. And as always, if you have any questions or things that you would like for us to talk about in future yeah. episodes, um, please feel free to let us know. We love getting your feedback and are really just here to help you all out. You bet. So thanks again for joining us this week. And we look forward to talking to you guys next time. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye.